You're listening to Canada's Court, your home for all your Canadian basketball needs. Here's your host, Philip Drost. Well, what a past couple weeks in the NBA. First, it was big news for the Toronto Raptors as they acquired Serge Ibaka. Then, at the end of All-Star Weekend, an even bigger trade went down. DeMarcus Cousins of the Sacramento Kings was dealt to New Orleans. And now, if that's not enough, there's about a dozen or so trade rumors floating around all over the place. And here to help me make a little bit of sense of what's going on is Bruce Rainey, our very first return guest to the podcast. Of course, Bruce is a CBC sports broadcaster, has been to his fair share of Olympics, and has seen many trade deadlines come and go. Thanks for joining me, Bruce. Philip, I'm honored to be the first return guest. This is awesome. <laughs> all right, so let's just jump right into it. First of all, Serge Ibaka to the Toronto Raptors. That was for Terrence Ross and a first-round pick, that pick being either the um, Clippers pick that the Raptors have or their own pick, whichever is worse. So uh, what did you think when that first went down? I know myself, I was a, a little bit giddy. Yeah, you're a Raptors fan, clearly, are you? <laughs> yes. Yeah, I think you should be giddy. I think that's uh, that's as close to a steal as you're going to see these days in professional sports, although we will get to a bigger one shortly when we talk Cousins. But, you know, Abaka's a, he's a heck of a player. He's only 27 years old, first of all. Averages about, you know, two blocks a game with a career high around 3.3. Scores you about 15 a game, seven to eight rebounds. And he's that interior presence that's going to make LeBron James and Kyrie Irving think twice about driving to the Raptors' hoop. And uh, Terrence Ross is a, is a fine player, but a little maddeningly inconsistent, I think, at times. Uh, a little shot-happy at times, I thought. And Abaka's a team-first guy. He can also shoot the three, which is nice in this new NBA of the, the stretch four, they call it, where a power forward can step outside and spread that defense out and be a threat with the three-point bomb. So I think this was a huge deal for the Raptors. The only potential problem I see with it is that, you know, come next year, they got to sign them again, and they got so much money tied up in Lowry and DeRozan now. You're going to be looking at about $88 million for three players if they sign it back to a 25 to $28 million a year sort of deal. So that's the only potential problem. But for now, I think the Raptors will enjoy them. I still don't know if it's enough to get by Cleveland if LeBron, Love, and Irving are healthy, but it puts them a lot closer, I think. So you think it was certainly uh, um, Terrence Ross and that draft pick were something the Raptors could lose? I think so, yeah. And uh, I just found Ross, he's the sort of guy that would make uh, a great play at a strange time and uh, you know a bonehead play at the worst possible time. <laughs> and you'd scratch your head and say, oh, man, come on, Terrence, you're better than that. You know, in this day and age in the NBA, his short, his sort of player is more common, more a dime a dozen than a player like Ibaka. But Ibaka is one of these guys. Uh, he, he's a, a rarity. He's one of these. The new term in the NBA is the unicorn, which seems to apply to anybody who's you know six nine to six eleven with great speed, great athleticism, the ability to shoot a three, the ability to stretch a defense, and I love his interior presence too. He'll challenge anybody. And uh, the Raptors are going to love him. He's he's a good pickup for the stretch, and I think they need him too because this team has not looked good as of late. So I think he'll stabilize that defense, which is where they can struggle often. 
Do you think that pull that played into Masai Ujiri's decision making with the Raptors slumping as they have been for the past? I think it's been a a month and a half now. I think so. I think very much. I think probably the the GM and the head coach have seen, and if you're a Raptors fan, you too have seen way too many forty point against third and fourth quarters, where for whatever reason the defense doesn't just slow down; it basically disappears. And here's a guy, Abaka, I mean, he's good offensively, but he's a defense-first guy, and he's going to clog that paint. I think that uh, Valanchunas is, doesn't have the foot speed of Abaka, doesn't have the leaping ability. I, I think that Abaka is going to be good in there, and I'm sure they, they just want to plug that hole at key times of the game when you know things start to slightly get away. So that's why they got Abaka, more for the defensive end than the offense, but the bonus is he's going to get you some offense too. I uh, I really thought this was the perfect fit. I mean, of course, I'm a Raptors fan, and I know when uh, the trade went down, I was just giggling a bit in the corner. I felt a, a little childish, but I really liked it. Now, there has been some reports, apparently, that Magic teammates were happy to see Ibaka go and stuff like that. Do you think people should be concerned about that? No, because... You heard just the opposite a couple of years back when Abaka left Oklahoma City to go to Orlando. I think the Thunder were not happy to see him go. This is a guy who played in the finals against Miami uh, a few years back and acquitted himself very, very well. I think he's a a fine guy that will thrive in the right environment. And I'm like you. I I think he's a perfect pick. I I am curious to know, though, if you scrape aside your prejudice for the Raptors, do you think he's enough? to have them beat Cleveland in a seven-game series. That's what was uh, a next on my list here. Is he enough? And, of course, my prejudice says, of course, the Raptors, they can beat anyone. But Cleveland is, is really tough. Though this, I think, is is pretty big because not only can he defend inside, like you mentioned, but he's able to get out there and defend uh, along the three-point line. And that's where... Cleveland's really killed them in the past is with the shooting of Kevin Love and the shooting of uh, Channing Frye. And those guys really turned the table in playoffs and in the the series so far this season. So I, I think he could. I don't know if he will, if that makes sense. It totally makes sense. I, I think that you're absolutely right. I, I think that when you're looking at who who's the best guy in the end, there were a couple of games in that playoff series last year that the, the Cavaliers won in six where Kevin Love just destroyed, destroyed Toronto, especially with that left corner three. And is quick enough to get out there, run him off the line, challenge him as he drives by. You can do the same to Fry as well, but Love is clearly more of a threat. And I think it's interesting. Love is going to come back. If his knee's okay, and that's a big if, and I think it will be, he's going to come back refreshed and ready. So they're going to need somebody like Abaka. I just think in a seven-game series, normally, normally, if it's two tightly contested, well-matched teams, the team with the best player wins. And there is no question, like him or not, <laughs> LeBron James is still the best player by far if you put those two teams together. Yeah, and uh, you're absolutely correct. And that's that's not one any fan, whether, whether incredibly prejudiced or not, is going to be able to argue with. Now the question is, if Kevin Love doesn't come back healthy, do you think that could, could open the door for the Raptors or other teams? I do. I really do. I think he's uh, he's had a great year for Cleveland this year. He's been really, really efficient and effective. Uh, he seems to finally know how to 
how to get open, where to get open, where to fit into that offense, how to get shots when Kyrie and LeBron have to get theirs as well. So, yeah, they're going to miss him. He's also 12 to 14 boards a game, and he does a lot of dirty work. They'll miss him immeasurably. It would still, I think, be a good series if he's not back. Uh, that's how good LeBron and Kyrie are. But I might, I might, depending on how J.R. Smith comes back as well, I might give the edge to the Raptors, especially if if DeRozan and Lowry are both healthy and looking good. At the very least, this certainly makes uh, Cleveland a little bit more nervous heading into playoff time. No question. And, uh, you know, as we talk, who, who knows, as we tape this, there could be deals going down that change the complex. I mean, the Boston Celtics reportedly are still in the mix for whomever, if it's Jimmy Butler, if it's Carmelo Anthony, that changes things too. But but as we speak right now, I think the Abaca trade makes the Raptors slightly better than the Celtics, but still slightly worse than the Cavaliers, but it's closer than it was. Do you think this trade, I mean, we haven't, we've seen them play one game since uh, the trade, but not with Abaca. Do you think this will pull them out of their slump? Yeah. I can't see how it won't. This is the sort of thing that can galvanize a team. And you got to realize, too, DeRozan, um, concurrent with this slump, has been his ankle problems. And to have basically eight days off over that all-star break is going to do wonders for him. Lowry has played the second most minutes in the NBA so far this year. So the eight days off there is going to do wonders for him as well. I think you'll see the Raptors turn it around and turn it around quickly. They have to, obviously. Uh, can they catch... The Celtics for second in the East, can they make a run for first? That depends, I think, in large part on how much the Cavaliers choose to rest LeBron in the second half. And if you believe what you read in the Cleveland papers, that's going to become more a priority as those games and minutes start to add up in March. So we'll see. But, yes, your original question was, can this pull the Raptors out of their slump? For certain. For certain. And one last question on the Raptors. There obviously, uh, there's still lots of rumors swir- swirling around. Do you think uh, Masai Ujiri's done? And is there anybody that's being mentioned out there that interests you? I, I don't think I don't think he can afford to go for another name as big as Ibaka. There there are a few names floating around. Some some wing players, a couple of backup point guards. That's not the Raptors' biggest concern because they have Joseph who can fill those minutes nicely. I think he's for the most part done. Uh, if he isn't, it's not going to be something that will shock the foundation by any means. I think that if, if Carmelo and if Butler and if Blake Griffin and if any of these other big names that are being floated around are to go somewhere, I don't think it's to Toronto. I would uh, I would agree with you on that one. I've heard some interesting rumors about players like uh, P.J. Tucker and uh, players of that kind of sort, as you mentioned, wing players, and that could be interesting. But, no, definitely uh, – I can't imagine the Raptors trading for a, a Paul George or a, a Jimmy Butler. But no, and, and the big the big move was done, and it's it's an awfully good big move. It's uh, you know it's it's a rabbit out of the hat sort of big move. The back is a good good player, and boy oh boy, he's going to look good in that those Raptor colors. No question. <laughs> yeah, I as time goes on, I just my confidence from Masai Ujiri just goes higher and higher and higher. Yeah, I agree. He's uh, He's done really good things, and he seems to, um, you know, NBA now, the, the way it's structured, and it has been this way, I'm going to take you back ooh, early 80s. It's been a big three league now, basically forever. And, and by that, I simply mean a team needs three 
border. Well, you need one superstar. The other two guys better be borderline. And you, you can go back to Magic Kareem Worthy, Bird McHale Parrish, Jordan Pippen Rodman, Robinson Parker Duncan, Duncan Ginobili Parker, whatever you want to do, LeBron, Wade, Bosch. You need a big three. And I think this gives Toronto, it, it might not be a capital big three, but it's a small B big three. And they're close. They're much closer now than they were. Absolutely. Now on to uh, the king of trades. I guess I could use that pun if I really wanted to. Uh, the the Sacramento Kings traded DeMarcus Cousins to the yeah. Pelicans. They got uh, the Pelicans got Cousins and Omri Caspi, and the Pelicans getting Buddy Heal, Tyreek Evans, Lanston Galloway, a 2017 first round pick and a 2017 second round pick, and people are calling it a heist. What are your thoughts? Totally agree, but it's a heist with an asterisk. I'm gonna. I had the um, the pleasure of calling basketball at the Rio Olympics this past summer, and I saw a lot of the U.S. men play. And I saw them practice a lot, and I saw them in press conferences. And no player at any time was more to himself, either by his choice or by his teammates' choice, than Demarcus Cousins. He's a very talented center. I think right now the best pure center in the NBA, and I don't really think it's close. However, for Sacramento to give him up for what they got back, this is with all apologies to Buddy Heald, who's a fine player, and Tyreek Evans, who is okay as well. For, for them to do that, he clearly was some sort of locker room disruption. He clear, I mean, he didn't get along with George Carlevaux. He didn't get along with management and Vlade Divac. And Divac said something the other day. He said something like it was a quote about winners, how they rise to challenges, and losers don't. And it was clearly a veiled, a veiled comment about Cousins and his departure. So if his head is on right and he's willing to be a teammate, it was a huge steal. But if, if he's going to be just a locker room disruption who's going to upset Anthony Davis and the chemistry he's trying to build there in New Orleans, then it becomes less of a heist. But on paper, it's one of the great steals in NBA history. DeMarcus Cousins is a legit NBA all-star center who went from one team to another for not much. And that's the big question, right? Is he is he a, a locker room problem? Is that just with being with the Kings and the Kings having their own problems, or is it all him? Because, I mean, I think I, I don't know what the exact stat was, but there was something about never having a player that's got a, like a all-star, superstar player that's been so good but lost so much. And he, they've never had a winning season in Sacramento despite how good he's been. And they've had, like, they haven't had great teams, but they've had good players around them. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I'm with you all the way. The other thing I would say is this. Um, I don't have the exact stats in front of you, but, but, but I would bet that there is no player over the past three, four seasons that has gotten more technical fouls and stupid, ill-timed <laughs> technical fouls than DeMarcus Cousins. He really has trouble controlling himself at key moments of the game. He also has a tendency, I've watched him play a lot. I, I watch an awful lot of NBA league pass, and I enjoy watching him when he's interested. There are way too many times when you watch a Sacramento Kings game where his name is not mentioned for four to five minute stretches, either as somebody who grabbed a rebound, somebody who took a charge, 
or somebody who made a nice strong post up, he tends to disappear. And your your A one superstar, you can't take five minutes off at a time. So, you know, Anthony Davis is a guy I think Cousins likes him a lot. They got a, a similar pedigree, a similar background, and maybe he's a guy that can bring out the best. I think it's gonna be good for Davis's game, by the way, because that's a guy that gets hurt a lot trying to play the bang-up game. He's always tweaking something. Now he can, I think, be more of a, we talked about the term unicorn on the wing and drive to the hoop but still be around to block shots from behind and shoot his threes and got a great pull-up jumper from mid-range. So if Cousins is motivated and interested, then Davis becomes that much better, and that's scary. Now people are calling this the best two post players since uh Tim Duncan and David Robinson. Now, I never got to watch Tim Duncan and David Robinson as I'm a, I'm a, a little bit younger, but what what do you think of that? Ooh, um first time I'm hearing that and it's interesting cuz I'll, I'll tell you the main difference. I I would argue that that when Duncan came into the league, it didn't take him long to hit his prime, but Robinson at that point was a little past his. This is a situation where both guys are firmly ensconced in the middle of their prime. And what they got to do now, the folks in New Orleans, first of all, the pressure is hugely on Alvin Gentry to win now as a coach. What they got to do is they, they got to find a, a real good wing player. Doesn't have to be a great wing player. It's got to be a really competent wing player. I'm seeing somebody like, and it's not going to be, but somebody like, uh, an Andrew Wiggins light kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And if they if they could match that sort of player with these two guys, look out because this should be although I will caution you, the, the only real twin towers scenario that's worked incredibly well in NBA history was the aforementioned uh Robinson Duncan. When Olajuwon and Ralph Sampson were together in Houston, they made a final, but they kinda both wanted to post up a lot and it got confusing. So It'll take some work, but they're smart players, they're good players, and Davis is versatile enough, I think, to work around Cousins. But will Cousins be motivated? Let's watch and see. What's interesting is, though, that both of them are capable three-point shooters. I mean, there was a stat, I think Buddy Heald has six less threes. So DeMarcus Cousins has six more threes than Buddy Heald so far this season. So, I mean, in that sense, they are able to to stretch the floor. So that could be interesting. But I'm wondering if you heard uh, Vladdy Divac's uh, comments. He said a couple days ago when he said, yeah, we uh, we had some better offers on, on the table two days ago. What, yeah. do you, what did you think of that? Well, I think he's um, he, he's trying to appeal to his fan base, obviously, and, and point out that this guy was expendable. And he's allowing people to fill in the blanks as to the reasons why. And the picture he's trying to paint is that of a guy who was not a good teammate and was not coachable. And he's doing a pretty good job. And, and Cousins himself has probably done a pretty good job as well. One other thing I just want to throw on there in terms of, of shooting ability, they also both are really good from the foul line, which is uh, often underrated in a big guy. But these these are not guys you want to put on the line because both just knock them down at about a 75 to 80% clip. So that's a formidable duo in New Orleans. Uh, do they have the allure to attract, um, you know, a, a post? Pl- uh, excuse me, a wing player who could match up perfectly? That's going to be the question over the next couple of years. But if they do, 
the West has another power, no question. Do you buy the argument that uh, right now, they, if they uh, landed themselves in the eight seed, they could give the Warriors a series? Do I ever? The, 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 one, <clears throat> the one sort of team that bugs the Warriors, and you see it every once in a while, is one that can get physical. <laughs> Cousins can get physical, and, and Davis is a load. And so, yeah, they're, they're the sort of teams, I mean, uh, Kevin Durant, too slight to play Cousins. He's a good matchup for Davis, but then who plays Cousins? Draymond Green, too small. It's um, The Warriors for most teams are a matchup nightmare, but now New Orleans is a matchup nightmare as well for the Warriors. So that would be a remarkably entertaining 1-8 series. I think Golden State would win it, probably in five or six, but I don't think any game would be of the blowout variety. Yeah, that's definitely one I've got to uh, look up when their match, their next matchup is on League Pass and uh, schedule to watch that one. Agreed. And, and so uh, we can't – there's no way we could go through all the different uh, trade rumors that are going on right now. There's names like Carmelo Anthony, Jimmy Butler, Paul George. Which one – is there any of these and other players that have been rumored about? Is there anyone that you think, yeah, that could be that could be a trade? It's so hard. It's so hard. And <laughs> my, my best answer is I have no idea. The, the best the best theory I've heard is I know that Carmelo Anthony loves Doc Rivers. And if anything's going to happen, so, some sort of move, some sort of permutation that might see him go to the Clippers, I think sounds possible. Um, Jimmy Butler's tough. I, I just don't know. Do you... If, if you trade him, I mean, he's supposed to be the guy you build around. If you trade him, what does that say to your fan base? I don't think Indiana's going to move Paul George. I think they're closer than a lot of people think. They got a Evan Turner's, or, or, or excuse me, a, a, yeah, Turner in the middle. He's a wonderful young, big post player. They're close. They're much closer than people think. And I think George is the, the key cog there. So, man, I don't know. I don't know. And it's all rumor at this point. Uh, I know Mello down deep probably would love to get out of New York, but he's got to wave and no trade, and it's got to be for the right situation, the right scenario. Cleveland and New York. I'm still not sure that's dead. I keep hearing Iman Shumpert's name possibly moving somewhere. I know Carmelo would love to play with LeBron and vice versa. I'm not sure he's the perfect fit for them, but then I think to myself, well, anybody – on a team with LeBron, he makes them a good fit because he's such a good passer. So it's so tough to know. And, and probably as we speak, the deal's being done, so we'll look silly tomorrow. But we'll see. We'll see. Yeah, I, I'd have to agree with you on that one. I do think the Carmelo Anthony trades really, really seems challenging, especially since, as you said, he's got no trade clause. So if the New York does see a deal that they like, it's got to be to a place where he likes, and then the team who's getting him has to like the deal, and then he's got to like the deal on top of all that. So it, it, that one just seems very messy. They did. There was something out on Twitter uh, that Paul the the um, Pacers said Paul George what they were testing the market for him, but I just don't understand that. Obviously, these guys way smarter than I am, but. When you talk about trading Jimmy Butler or Paul George to get even really good draft picks, those are the kind of players you hope to draft. Those are the ones you're looking for when you uh, you go in the draft, and usually you don't get one. So um, it'll be interesting to see, though I am very terrified that the 
as a Raptors fan that the Celtics will make a move for one of these players, and I've kind of well, just been. The thing is, that, yeah, the Celtics are so close. They're just so close to doing something, I think, pretty special. And and whether they wait and and really make their move next year, I'm not sure. But yeah, they are close. And the name that keeps coming up there is Jimmy Butler. I'll tell you something else to watch for is. Um, I was talking to a buddy of mine today who has connections to the Knicks. There's talk there of Derrick Rose being waived. What he has left in the tank, I don't know, but I think it's something. And I don't know who picks him up. We'll see there too. So there's so, I mean, if you're an NBA fan, this is a good time, man. It's a good time. It's so many plot lines. You're not sure what's going to happen. And then when it does happen, you got to wait a few games to figure out how big a deal it really is. So it's so much fun coming down the stretch and it's, Fun to speculate and talk about, too. All right. Uh, before we go, I'll ask one more quick basketball question. What did you think of the All-Star Games, Kevin Durant, Russell Westbrook, uh, alley-oop dunk? <clears throat> that's interesting. Now, that's a, that's a very, very tense dynamic. Uh, I think I think it would be <laughs> – I don't know what it would be. It would be, um, I think, a little too simple to think that that one alley-oop pass is going to cure all ills. That might be a tad naive. But uh, those guys have some issues to work out. I think, I think Westbrook is far too fiery a competitor <laughs> to ever truly forgive Kevin Durant for leaving. Then again, I'm not sure down deep if Kevin Durant wanted to play anymore with Russell Westbrook because I think there were far too many times where Durant, who is, in my opinion, a superior player, got left to watch Russell Westbrook dribble down a 24-second clock and heave up some sort of shot to win or lose a game when Durant should have had that ball. So that's a complex dynamic. Uh, I think they're probably both down deep, happy to be apart now. That's my theory. I think it'll be a, it'll make an interesting uh, story years from now when people finally start talking about it. David, one question for you back from me. All right. Did you find the, All- did you find the All-Star game entertaining or ridiculous? <sighs> See, I'm kind of, I'm in the middle. Some of I was like, yeah, this is fun, whatever. But I also think it would be really interesting if they put something on the line and they actually made it competitive. I mean, of course, not to the point where players are going to get injured and it's the same intensity as a normal game. But I would. it would be really interesting to see these guys actually play as if they wanted to win because no one really wanted to win that. It was just whoever scored the most open buckets. What about you? Yeah, what did you think? I looked. I'm a bit of a. I'm a I, I loved watching. I'm older than you, so I loved <laughs> watching the All Star Game back in the day when when Magic Johnson and Larry Bird would lead their respective teams, and it was almost like an, an unwritten rule that they'd they'd showboat and have a great time for three quarters, and then in the fourth quarter, the coaches who normally were Casey Jones and Pat Riley, the coaches of the Celtics and the Lakers, would put their best five on the floor, and you saw legitimate effort to win the game. And I, I miss that. I really do. And, and how many times can you watch Anthony Davis dunk the ball? I got <laughs> bored at 14. I was really bored at 18. They're nice dunks, but if nobody's playing defense against you and you're 6'11", you should be able to dunk it. Um, so I, I'd like to see it. Even Kyrie Irving said, you know, I'd like to play in a bit more competitive game than this one. So I think they got to tweak it a bit because the all-star games in all leagues are becoming somewhat of, of a laughing stock. And the NBA one used to be the best of all of these because they'd have that little bit on the on the edge on the line towards the end. And, and to see that goes a little disappointing. So we'll see what happens. 
I'm not that old. I do remember them trying some. I mean, that young. I do remember them trying a few years back. But yeah, it's really it's really died down as of late. So we'll see. This year was particularly particularly I thought just ridiculous. One hundred ninety (laughs) two to one hundred eighty four or something. I don't know. Somebody's got to stop somebody. Of course, someone's going to break the scoring record when you when you're playing getting that many points. Exactly, and when Will Chamberlain scored his 42, by the way, um, that was a legit game played for. I mean, back then, I think they had a little bit of money on the line, bragging rights, and and they they played pretty hard for four quarters. So his 42 came in the flow of what was a pretty competitive game. So anyway, different eras, you know. It, it's still it's still entertaining. It's still the best of the four All Star games, but I don't want to see it become irrelevant. And I'm afraid we're heading that way. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you very much, Bruce. It was uh, a pleasure to talk to you. Very enlightening. And uh, hopefully we'll, uh, you maybe someday you'll be the third. You'll be able to well, go I, on for the third time. <laughs> it's all bragging rights for me. If I can be the first third, you call me back and love to talk basketball anytime. All right. Sounds good, Bruce. Thank you. That was Bruce Rainey from the CBC in Prince Edward Island. He's a broadcaster for CBC Sports, host of Compass, and has covered many, many Olympic Games, and as you could hear, knows quite a bit about basketball. Any thoughts on what you heard? Do you think the Raptors need to make a deal, or maybe they're uh, they're okay as they are? Or maybe you have another move that you think another team's going to do. Let me know. You can send me an email at canadascourtpodcast at gmail.com, or send me a tweet at canadascourt. And don't forget to like us on Facebook, And that would be great. We actually now have two Facebook Live videos on there. Before, we just had one with Leo Routens. Now there's a second. And that features Javon Masters of the UMB Varsity Reds. So you can check that out. And uh, make sure to tell your friends. Your producer, host, and writer of Candace Court is me. Thanks for listening.